The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles. All fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. I am Elliot Serrano, king of uh, king of Chicago geeks, uh, one of the MCU review crew, and uh, let's bring in the rest of the crew. First off, he is the uh, one of the main hosts of Caffeinated Comics, the host co- uh, podcast that uh, you know uh, features the MCU review. He is. Uh, John Clark. How are you, Elliot? Uh, I, I'm okay. I'm feeling a little better. I think uh, after, I think uh, things got a little emotional when we were talking about the Picard series finale yesterday. Oh, yeah. I kind of want to just keep talking about that because watching Endgame reminded me so much of the cues that Picard would take of looking at this movie and going, this is how you end a franchise and serve every single character. Serve Art is the end game of Star Trek. Yep, yep. And uh, there's a lot of there are a lot of parallels here. Absolutely. So for those who haven't heard it, you can listen to uh, uh, John and I talking about the series finale of Picard, as well as the season finale of The Mandalorian on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Uh, welcome, Susan. Welcome, Elimond. Welcome, everyone who's watching us on Facebook.com on YouTube and streaming on Twitch TV. Our next crew member is my uh, ride or die, my co-host on the show that got all this started. Shaken, not heard. He is the man, the myth, the legend, Dave Pino. How you doing, Dave? I'm all right. I'm saying more of a myth than anything else. <laughs> It's been a while. Uh, we uh, we haven't been on air talking about this stuff for a while, so it's good to see you. I mean, I mean, I see you all the time, but, yeah. <laughs> but you know, back together, getting the band together to talk about something. We were everything. We we were we were hoping we'd be done by uh, by now with uh, phase three, but things, you know, as I say, life gets in the way, so. You also started an Indiana Jones podcast in the middle of this. Yeah, and we started an Indiana Jones podcast in the middle, which is also getting pushed back because of crazy stuff. Yes, and Money Penny is also wondering when the hell we're getting back to that. And then finally, uh, he is our resident mixologist who has made yet another uh, themed drink for tonight's movie. He is uh, Thomas Jetner. Good evening, guys. How's it going? I think what we're doing all okay. Hold on, I I think I see. I'm trying to see what's going on first. You've got, <clears throat> I want to say that's a, uh, a Brooklyn Dodgers cap. That is yes, and, that and is of cool. course you're wearing that in honor of Cap. Um, you know. I'm wearing in honor of Cap, and uh, it was uh, Jackie Robinson Day um, last weekend. So, you know, good, always good opportunity to to celebrate him and his life and accomplishments. So. And Dave, are you wearing the Marty McFly shirt from Back to the Future Three? He's absolutely wearing. Yes, it. I am. Yeah. This is a <laughs> this is guess. a time travel movie. So I thought, what better reason to wear this than that's a good one. That's a good one. 
I'm completely underdressed. I'm wearing a red hot chili pepper shirt, which I probably should have worn for Captain Marvel. <laughs> it was appropriate last movie. Yeah. And I'm wearing my Avengers sweater from uh, Heroes and Villains. I love this sweater. This is like my favorite sweater right now. So comfy. Um, so, yeah, it's like, a, it's like a 83 socks style Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I was looking at it. It's very, uh, it's very hockey sweater. Yeah, I like that about it. Yeah. Well, I will say um, I am a Cubs fan, but I am uh, growing up on the South Side in the '80s. I am a fan of the 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 that's that era of White Sox jersey. They call them the um, the Good Humor Man uh, jerseys. <laughs> I've um, heard that name before, the Good Humor Man jerseys. Yeah, I used to love. I used to like. Uh, I mean, I remember the the Hitman. Uh, Julio Cruz uh, scoring that winning run to give the the White Sox the the division that year, the win and ugly team. Yeah. Y yes, I uh, famously I my birthday is in October, and uh, that was my my dad was behind by my mom's side uh, for uh, every minute that uh, that I was being born, except for the three hours that the White Sox were playing the <laughs> Orioles in the ALCS. So, well. You know, I already broke my own rule. I've turned this show into Sox talk. I didn't even mean to. <laughs> uh, we're supposed to be joined by Stephen Brown, our resident uh, Avengers fan, but uh, he is also, uh, is he working? Uh, lately, yeah. As uh, Caffeine Comics listeners know, they are really uh, going 150% on this Kickstarter about the Galloping Ghost documentary, which we covered a couple weeks ago. Um, Steven had a lot to say about that because I had laryngitis on the air. Um, so we're waiting to see if he can still make it because he's made all the other three Avengers. We're asking him to assemble. <laughs> well, if he can't make it, that's to be given. I mean, he's also an EMT, so, you know. Blow a conch horn. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Just that he's stuck in the quantum realm for this one. <laughs> Oh yeah, and um, uh, I have yet to see Quantum Mania, so whatever. But um, I do. Yeah, have... I apologize. I saw that it was available to buy and assumed it was Disney Plus because I assumed it was still 2021. <laughs> Disney cared about Disney Plus. Well, Disney Disney's busy because cutting another three thousand jobs. So you know. Um, but I did have to, for today. I also prepared. I have my. Um, collection of avengers uh these are the the little not bobbles but the figures that uh, you got in your uh happy meals at mcdonald's i think dave i think you gave me um the cat even the winter soldier one the winter soldier one yeah. yeah this one you gave me right yeah um i got the cap on my own the uh and the ant man i think i found uh ronin here at a at um Felicia up at a at a thrift store or something like that. All right. So anyway, the the topic uh, today is Avengers Endgame. We let off with that reaction video uh, that was taken. Uh, well, one of the many many reaction videos that you'll you'll find online. I'm telling you, it's um it's the same reaction I had at the theater I saw it at. I mean, and I went to an advanced screening full of people who were there to, you know, review the film. And it was crazy. It was just crazy. Um, the only time you're going to see anything even approaching that 
uh, in a Marvel film will be in the Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, but beyond that, you know, the emotional uh, impact of that end, that movie, that end, the Russo brothers pretty much bringing together an entire narrative that was 10 years in the making. Uh, pretty impressive. So why don't we start off with uh, what we always do. <clears throat> Again, for those folks who have not seen the MCU review in the past, we are... We are going through every movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, starting with Iron Man up to the present. Uh, if you go to Facebook.com, YouTube, uh, you can find um, every previous episode that we've done, starting with Iron Man. A uh, point uh, I need to make, if you go to our YouTube page, if you look at the YouTube page and it says, this page has no content, that's a lie. That's a bald-faced lie. You have to click on the live tab, and there you will find every episode because we live stream every episode. Hit the live tab, and you will see every episode that we've done starting from the beginning. Uh, but again, if you're watching us on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch, Twitch doesn't archive us, so eh, that sucks. But still, uh, you are welcome to comment, interact with us, uh, tell us what you thought about the movie. But uh, this is when we start off with what we call the two-minute MCU review. That's when each of our crew members uh, give a quick two-minute, uh, you know, retrospective review, synopsis, our opinion on how they felt about the movie. If you watched it uh, just recently, has your opinion changed since you saw it the first time? Has it gotten better? Has it gotten worse? If you didn't get a chance to watch it, really... How do you remember the film? Let's start with you, Dave. Um, I watched it yesterday, and um, yeah, this is a I, this is one of the best, uh, one of the better ones. I think. I think it's it's a real um, technical accomplishment, uh, both as you know, as far as the effects and everything, of course. But then also, like you touched on earlier, just the culmination of this this big universe of films. Um, and all the storylines and, and character arcs that they resolved with this film um, in really satisfying ways. And I would say that, um, I don't know if you guys agree with me, but I, I personally know a number of people that they kind of pieced out with, with the MCU after this movie, because it felt like this is, it's like a movie that really couldn't be topped. And I think um, part of it is the, all of the phases. And this was the, this is still, this is phase four. Four, correct? Or three? You guys remember? We're all showing you the three side, my friend. Okay, sorry. The <laughs> video froze up for a second. Oh, sorry. Um, although the, the second Spider-Man is considered, I think, actually the end of this phase. Sort of the, strangely enough. It's the epilogue, so they say. Yeah, that. yeah. Right. Um, but I feel like it was from the start, almost from the very start, the, the narrative and kind of everything that all of the previous, however many films were building towards was, was very clear with Thanos being established pretty early on as like the big bad villain that everything's building up to. And um, maybe since then it hasn't been as clear. And even though that's, they do obviously have a plan, they're not just winging it as they go along, but the narrative and sort of what everything is about um, post post this film, or I guess even post uh, Far From Home, it has not been quite as clear. And I think also with this movie, obviously giving closure to Tony Stark's character and Steve Rogers 
um, who I think were huge draws for just the the interest in the MCU, um, Iron Man and Captain America, but also the actors playing them with them being, you know, phased out and getting their, their, you know, satisfying endings, um, you know, to their character arcs in this movie. Uh, I think a lot of people just sort of lost interest or the interest waned a little bit. Um, but I do agree with the, the idea that this is, it, this is such a huge film and such a culmination of everything um, that it, it really does feel like it's, it be a, very difficult for them to try to match this film in the future. Um, as far as, you know, obviously as the success critically and, and just everything behind it, the narrative and just the buildup and all the, the, the material that went into, to leading up to this film. Um, I do think, you know, if there was one movie MCU movie, not that I agree that this should have been the case, but if you're going to pick one MCU film that arguably should have gotten a, a best picture, uh, nomination, it would have been this one. I still think it's kind of strange that Black Panther is the only one of the 20 some that there have been. But this one, I think, really easily would have deserved that nomination even more, uh, if not for, you know, just being sort of the capper of everything that it, that's come since what, whenever this started, 2008. Um, so, yeah, I just this is a great movie. I think, you know, everything, especially the, the ending, the final few scenes, you know, beginning with. Uh, you know, Iron Man, Tony Stark doing the snap and defeating Thanos. And then, of course, his subsequent death and then the, the funeral and everything happening with Steve Rogers going back through time and reliving his whole life uh, with Peggy Carter is just what a cool way to end. You know, it's not a big triumphant. It's it's sort of a quieter, but more in, strangely in that same way, more satisfying ending, having a quieter ending rather than a big bombastic, which I think with cap being the first avenger it's almost more fitting that it's it's that quieter more subdued ending that rather than something really triumphant and setting up something going forward because this is also the i believe the first one that does not have a post credit scene up to this point so um yeah it's it's just a great movie a great satisfying culmination of, of the the previous few phases and uh yeah i, I love this one Tom. Uh, well, I, I, I'd have to agree with most everything that Dave said. I think that on the rewatch, I've come to like this one more and more than when it first came out. I think when it first came out, it was almost a little overwhelming because there's so much going on in this movie. And it was a, it's really long. So if, if you see it in the theaters and, you know, maybe you have to take a bathroom break or something like that. Um, and that can kind of break it up. But kind of watching it home at home on Disney Plus, I mean, I was just I was just into it. I was just kind of riveted by it. And a lot of what drives it is it has to it has to be this really big movie, and it somehow manages to be multiple really small movies at the same time. I think the decision to split everyone up into these teams for the uh, for the time heist was that was a really clever idea because you you got a chance to have smaller engagements and smaller stories play out uh and then to have the the first half of the final confrontation with thanos be just the 
well, I don't know if you could say original three because we have Incredible Hulk, but of the the main original three films of Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor, of have it just be those three against Thanos, uh, really worked out. And then to have the other characters come in after that is kind of sends the message to the audience of of like these three started it and now here's everything that has kind of come from it and also came at a a great time it came in kind of 2019 and the idea of everybody kind of coming together at that time i think really spoke to audiences and um you know that that final avenger avengers assemble thing has been used many many times I've noticed over the, particularly in a political context and things like that. Um, I think it was really funny because famously one time, I think uh, former President Trump inserted him, he retweeted something of his video that was himself as Thanos, like supposedly doing a snap and everyone chimed in on Twitter at the time saying, it's like, you know what really happened in that movie immediately after that? (laughs) And then someone did a mashup uh, during the George Floyd protests. And then there was another one after the 2020 election. Um, so that kind of getting everyone together and, 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 and fighting back some bloated evil really appealed to everybody. So, uh, but it's a great movie. I like it more every time I watch it. Uh, there's so much good stuff in it and I can't wait to talk more about the individual pieces. And John, yeah, this is uh, this is a big, big ending. I don't think we've seen anything like this in film history. The closest thing I could compare it to is Return of the King. Uh, um, this massive, massive ending that completely pays off everything that's built up. But this is even more impressive because Return of the King was written as a book when the rest of Lord of the Rings was written. In this, uh, as we mentioned many times before, they're not adapting anything that's ever been in print. So they have to figure out how to pull these uh, over 20 films together with multiple, multiple characters and and completely satisfy everyone, which it manages to do. And, and as I said, it, it manages to be – it's so big, it's three different films. It's a, you know this depressing uh, drama about trauma for an hour. And then it is a Back to the Future 2 style uh, time travel movie. And then it's the biggest superhero fight you have ever seen, ever depicted on screen. And that is that is the weight it also has to bear. Because uh, like Dave was saying, you can't top it. And for, it's the perfect time for Marvel to end. It had been 10 years, it had been 20 movies. You know, we had grown up in a world of trilogies, really. It was like three was a lot. 20 was beyond. And for Marvel to go, well, we're going to keep going. I think it's been harder and harder to keep people to that style of momentum. It, it reminds me of crossovers in the comics because when crossovers happened uh, in the 80s, it was this massive, massive deal and, and nobody knew how to process it. And then uh, the letdown is becomes so precipitous that – uh, Marvel certainly in the last 10 years has fallen prey to, well, we'll just have another event and another event. And you end up never ending your events. It's like, Oh, in the last issue, we're going to set up the next event. And 
as jaded as you say of like, oh, you don't even finish your stories. That's creatively bereft. I realized this movie is what happens when you don't do that is like you bring it in for such an ending that everybody's like, okay, we can go home. There's, there's one little tease of Thor and guardians of the galaxy, which honestly isn't really paid off in Thor love and thunder, which comes three years after this movie. So uh, it's, it's a blessing and a curse that it ended this well. Uh, Certainly whatever they're planning now is a little cryptic, as you said, a little myopic. And we don't know because we don't know what the clear story is and not to delve too much into what's happening now, but with Jonathan majors being in trouble, they've put their entire future of the franchise on him as the villain. And this is a guy who's losing work left and right. So I don't think we're ever going to have a clear mountaintop the way we did in Avengers Endgame. And uh, to echo what all of you guys have said, yeah, uh, it was. Uh, you will see that J.J. Uh, Abrams and his screenwriting crew are going to try to capture some of that magic in Rise of Skywalker, but it's not going to. It's not going to work. I mean, you have Chris Thierry, who was a screenwriter, has a screen credit on um, Endgame. Um, he would be one of the. Uh, I think uh, I forgot the name of his co-writer. Also worked on the Rise of Skywalker. And you could tell they were like, okay, let's do that whole thing. Let's do the same thing. The big climax, bring it looks like things aren't going to go our way, but then the big rally at the end, and it just didn't work. They just couldn't quite pull it off. Um, so you have to give the Russo brothers a lot of credit. They had uh they had a load to carry, you know, Joss Whedon um from his uh you know work on all his television shows. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, he was the one who introduced the whole idea of a, of a season-long story where you introduce a big bad and it pays off at the end of the season. And yeah, he started so. Yeah, he started that with Avengers, you know, with the different Avengers movies, you know, Avengers, Age of Ultron. He was supposed to do uh, uh, the next ones, but then, you know, then all his issues occurred and the Russo's picked up the ball and ran with it and did a hell of a job. I'll tell you, they did a hell of a job with it. Uh, I would also say there are, I have the last time I was that emotional watching a post, uh, a credit sequence where it was essentially the actors. You saw their signatures on the screen as the music was playing. The last time I saw that was undiscovered country. And we were saying goodbye to the original star Trek cast. And that was emotional as well. And they just knew how to push those buttons. Uh, yeah. And now uh, I think the problem, though, if there's any downside to this film, and we've, we're already seeing it, it set the bar impossibly high. It's just this movie beat Avatar as the all-time moneymaker for a bit before it got dropped again by the re-release of Avatar. <laughs> but then it's now... Marvel movies have to make a billion dollars for them to be considered successful, which is ridiculous. Now, they have to be these huge, gigantic moneymakers to be to be successful. The stakes have to be incredible. That's the biggest criticism we've heard about Quantum Mania that the movie's low stakes. You know, it it just set the bar just too freaking high, and you can't even get back to the nice, fun stories that well. 
I will say they're doing it on Disney Plus. I'll give them credit for that. Yeah, well, you also can't uh, take away when this came out. You know, this came out summer 2019. This is the last big movie, I think. I don't because we never reco- quite recovered uh, movies from the lockdown. You know, Rise of Skywalker we- came out December 2019. Yeah, but, uh, but uh, I agree with Elliot. Rise of Skywalker does not live up to Avengers Endgame. No, which makes just that makes Rise of Skywalker the last movie that a lot of people saw. I think it was the last movie I saw before we all went into lockdown. So, Elliot, you your know. comparison of the Rise of Skywalker being a culmination of everything is sort like in the way that this is. I shudder to think what Endgame would have been like if, with every movie, the director of that respective movie tried to completely contradict what happened in the film before. <laughs> right. A lot of Rise of Skywalker was not paying off the other movies, was retconning. It was, exactly. paying, right. off, yeah. it was paying off one movie and denying another movie. Yeah, exactly. Well, was- well, that, that's one thing that this movie does exceptionally well. If you think about some of the deep cuts of payoffs, like we haven't heard much on the Howard Stark front since what? Civil War. Civil War was 2016. So three years went by to kind of pay off that thread. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of like little stuff that happens in this movie that are that are payoffs to I mean, we hadn't really seen hide nor hair of Peggy Carter as a major storyline in a while. So picking up a lot of the threads that had been left hanging from not just past Avengers movies, but across the MCU was, was really a big part of this and kind of, I think adds to the satisfaction. Absolutely right, Tom. You're absolutely right. And again, credit to the Russos, although they, I think it helps when you have that sort of continuity uh, with the production crew. I mean, the Russos were, when you consider they did winter soldier, which then led to civil war, I call civil war Avengers two and a half. Right. And then they pick up after that, boom, 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 boom. Now, the Star Wars films didn't have that sort of continuity going on with the creative teams. And yes, J.J. Abrams was not only trying to wrap up the sequel trilogy, but also reconcile the entire Skywalker saga, nine movies, which, oh, you know what? I, I enjoyed it. I will. This is funny. The weird thing. I still enjoyed Indiana Jones and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull more than Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> oh, I agree. Uh, oh, Rise, yeah. of Skywalker. Yeah, <laughs> Rise of Skywalker, I'm done after an hour. I try to watch, you watch the first half hour and like, yeah, I go, oh, okay, that's good. I, I, I put it on Disney Plus. I go, that beginning, fun. it's really fun in the beginning for the first, you know, 45 minutes and then it gets bogged down with stuff. But yeah, so. Rise of Skywalker, and I don't want to turn this into a Rise of Skywalker hate cast, but uh, Rise of Skywalker, the only movie I remember that lost me at the hour mark because the hour mark is when uh, Ray and Kylo Ren are fighting on the, the ruins of the Death Star in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, I go, well, this movie's over, right? And then I realized it had been an hour. The only other movie I can think of, uh, that I did that about was Wolverine Origins. Because at the hour mark in Wolverine Origins, he's got the adamantium and he fights Sabretooth again. And I'm like, well, we're done, right? And then the second hour was this just chaos of characters that went nowhere and i felt like that about rise of sky rise of sky record ends with you know like a borg queen palpatine pointing at star, star destroyers in the cloud that's my only memory of, of, the, of how the skywalker saga ends 
<laughs> and and you, you're mentioning Wolverine too, because that's that will give us also not a good one. <laughs> yeah, that will give us the Deadpool that does not talk, which Ryan Reynolds spent a lot of time trying to live down, and finally, you know. Well, the I the story behind that I thought was so crystal clear was that he was already working on the Deadpool movie, and Fox said, "Hey, good." Good news. We put Deadpool in the Wolverine movie so you can be in that. And he read the script and said, I'm not doing this. And they said, if you don't do this, we'll hire somebody else and they'll be Deadpool from now on. So that's why he's in it. Oh. But and again, so not his fault. Not his fault. But hey, you know what? He helped uh, the Wrexham Club in Wales uh, finally get um, promoted to the uh, Premier League. So did hey. they get promoted? I was watching. Yeah. I was watching his uh, documentary with Rob McElhenney. But the yeah. season well, ends before anything happens. Yeah, the season ends. They don't make it. The season two that they're filming now. Well, the spoiler: uh, the Wrexham, the Wrexham AFC does end up getting promoted. So it's the real life Ted Lasso. It's a real life Ted Lasso. All right. Uh, so before yes, we turn this into Ted Lasso cast. <laughs> uh, I know Tom, you have created. A themed drink for our uh, our uh, movie today. Why don't you tell us about it while I pull up the MC uh, Review Cocktails account? There we go. Uh, there's some lovely drinks on there. Uh, so the, this one, one Dave asked me a question at the, at the beginning as to what the uh, the uh, white creamy stuff on the top is, and that is just foam that is just pineapple foam the pineapple juice is one of the ingredients in this cocktail uh it's one ounce of pineapple juice three quarters of an ounce of lime juice half an ounce of cinnamon syrup half an ounce of your orange liqueur of choice and two ounces of a tequila now trying to come up with something for this particular movie because this is such a big movie how do you wrap it all up and I kind of came back to the ending of Steve Rogers traveling back in time to be with Peggy, to have his soldier coming home from the war moment um, after sort of suffering so much. And I started thinking about, well, what kind of drinks were people drinking after World War II in the United States? And, you know, we like to think of the idea of, well, you know, they all sat down and had a really stiff drink and they drank whiskey and things like that. And we, we imagine them doing that to ease the trauma and not exactly while classic cocktails like the martini got absurdly high in alcohol content compared to, I believe that's what Elliot's drinking tonight. If I'm correct. Yeah. I spotted that. Um, yeah, that's right. Um, so while the, the the stuff like the martini went up, you had that's where you get the five to one, the seven to one martini ratio. The other thing that people were drinking when they got home from World War II was tiki drinks. They were drinking these cocktails with all kinds of different syrups and fruit juices and pineapple fronds and little umbrellas in them because it was time to relax. It was time to get away from the... Uh, the the ordinary life and and be back in the South Pacific again, uh, but but relaxing. It's also a time period when, uh, in addition to rum, kind of coming back into fashion, you really start to see tequila come into ordinary American usage. You see, I think the margarita comes out sometime. I could be 
Oh, I don't want David Wondrich to yell at me on this one, but it's probably it's sometime in the post-war era, probably in the either in the late 40s or in the 50s. I'm not 100 percent sure. Drinks like the tequila sunrise come into fashion uh, and begin to spread across the country. So you really start to see the marketing of tequila on a, on a broad level. And that's what I did here is I essentially made a cinnamon pineapple margarita. Um, I did a little bit of a, a trick with mine. Uh, I did uh, uh, for my, sometimes for my orange liqueur, I like to sub out bitter grapefruit liqueur. Um, that's just something I like my drinks more bitter. So that's just, that's just my preference. Uh, and also with the cinnamon syrup, I get a little bit of that Don, Don the Beachcomber Don's mix thing going on. But uh, Dave is drinking his. I think Dave used uh, triple sec. What's what's your review, Dave? It's delicious. Reminds me of uh, more than a couple of drinks I had in Hawaii last year. There you go. I also love the uh, or the blend of the pineapple and, and cinnamon aroma when you lift the glass up to your to your mouth. Uh, Tom, for those of us who don't have cinnamon syrup, how would you make it? It's actually, it's quite easy. So you need uh, just plain white sugar, water, and cinnamon sticks. So what you do is I usually make, um, I do a one and a half to one sugar to simple syrup, sugar to water. So I take half a cup of water three quarters of a cup of sugar and then four or five whole cinnamon sticks. And you throw that in a pot. I have a real little one that I use and you heat that up on the stove. You don't have to bring it to boiling point, but you have to get it up hot enough so that all of the sugar dissolves into the water. And then what you do is you take that and you pour that into uh, a jar or some other kind of container and you seal it up and you just let that sit on your counter overnight. And by the next day, it's ready to go. And then you'll have cinnamon syrup for for this drink, for all your zombies or your jet pilots or your hyperspace pilot that we uh, had for Captain Marvel. So, yep. And what are we calling this drink? Uh, we're calling this a long, it's been a long, long time. <laughs> uh, it's nice to have that. Uh, that uh, song on or, or slow dance as you relax and, and, and finally take it easy after your struggles. So that's what this is about. And if you want to see this drink and the many others that Tom has created for the MCU review, you can go to Instagram.com slash review cocktails. It's R E V U cocktails uh, where not only will you see the different uh, Marvel theme drinks, but also, uh, I see you have a three dots and a dash up there. Uh, you've put up a couple other martinis and the like. Always uh, fun to check out that uh, that account. And um, at some put, point, I think we're making a book, aren't we, Tom? Yeah, we're going to try to put this all together into a, into a book of all the different MCU drinks. Uh, I don't believe I've tweaked many of these since uh, they came out, but yeah, I think uh, what's the number up to on the the, the Instagram page? It's it's oh, quite yeah. a lot. You've got quite a few up here. Yeah, I'm looking uh, three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen, eighteen, twenty-one, twenty-four. You've got at least thirty some. Well, let's see: one, two, three, uh, four, five, six, I see seven, eight. Posts. 
Uh, I should just look at the posts. Nine, 36 posts. So 10, there. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. I have 18 specific MCU specific drinks uh, in addition to the two Indiana Jones drinks that are currently up there. Ah, yes. Uh, and uh, the uh, various drinks that I, it took me almost a year to do my first old fashioned. And then uh, I have one cup of coffee, <laughs> one, one cup of coffee <laughs> that I did. Speaking of having a cup of coffee, he looks like he could sure use one. Let's welcome to the show uh, John's co-host, regular co-host on Caffeinated Comics. You can follow him on social media as the Brave Butter Pecan. He is Stephen Brown. Hey, hi, hi. Thank you. Sorry for being late. Hey. Oh, you're good. You're good. I just Not got off our movie. You had plenty of time to come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah, that's how it goes. How's everybody? Uh, Dave, your shirt is amazing. No notes. You look great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Which is now, mind you, folks, if you are listening to this show as the audio version and the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, you're missing all the fun uh, imagery. Uh, the way we dress up when uh, John shows off his toys later, as well as what baseball cap is Tom Chetner going to wear. Uh, <laughs> but Stephen, uh, since you just joined us and you are our resident Avengers expert, uh, real quick, give us your two-minute retrospective on Avengers Endgame. Uh, I think for me, like the biggest thing was having rewatched them both recently. Um, Infinity War is a better movie. But I think Endgame was a harder thing to pull off. Uh, I think it has a lot of problems with it, but um, it shouldn't have worked. It, none of this should have worked. And <laughs> it's the fact that it's passable and it's entertaining and it kind of mostly makes sense and you can follow the story. And if you don't think about it too hard and you squint your eyes, you know, it just kind of works. I think they pulled off... Um, I think they pulled it off. I don't think they quite hit it out of the park, but it could have fallen so short. And we're talking how many years of movies is this? 20 years of MCU movies or 15 yeah, years? years? 10 years. 10 At years, right? Point, no, 10. It feels yeah, like 20. 20. It feels like 20. Years, yeah. 20 well, we're coming up on 15 now. This yeah. is four That's years. crazy. Yeah. So I think giving them a 10 year, if you had told me what they were going to do 10 years from now, I would have said they're going to fuck it up. And uh, if you showed me what they did, I would have thought there's no way it's going to be this good. I think the stuff that hit in the theater still hits at home. Cat picking up Mjolnir is still going to be one of the greatest cinematic moments of all time. Uh, it's like uh, they checked a lot of boxes and they tried to do time travel and it mostly works. It's messy, but it works. Um, but I give them credit for pulling it off. DC can't even get the car out of the garage and Marvel's going to space. You know what I mean? It's, like, <laughs> it's just like, it's not even like a fair fight. And I want so desperately to like DC movies, but they, they just can't seem to figure it out. And I don't know why they can't. <laughs> it's like the Fast and the Furious movies. They actually took a car into space. Yeah. And it, I mean, those is a great example. They've made 20 of those movies. You know, they make one every year, every couple of years. And they figured out how to keep making those movies and they're ludicrous. The trailers alone are insane. And they have but, a guy named ludicrous in them. Yeah, of course they do. <laughs> you know? Um, so it's, it's just kind of like shocks me that um, the other companies have a hard time, but maybe that's a whole different podcast. Hey, Steven, I'm, I'm interested to, to know, like I, you and I saw this together. 
yeah when, uh, I when think, this came out yeah and we were both completely overwhelmed it's it so it's interesting to me that now you're like they didn't quite hit it out of the park this, this has got some problems what do you see in re in rewatching it that you're like I, I think it's not so much re-watching it that there's problems with Endgame specifically. It's kind of like it didn't leave anywhere for me for the MCU to go anymore. I had the same problem with professional wrestling when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, they did a match where like so many things went wrong and Undertaker should have killed Mankind. And they should have stopped the match and it was crazy, but it was like, after that pay-per-view, we gave up on wrestling. Like all of me and my siblings used to be in wrestling and we all gave up on it after this match because it was so over the top and so crazy. And he almost killed them. It was like, nothing could top it anymore. That and was I, the, that was the undertaker mankind hell in the cell. That was what? Yeah. 97, 98 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Somewhere like late nineties. Yeah. And we checked in periodically, but never really went for it. But it's like a famous match because of its, whole thing we could talk a whole hour about that match but the this movie was very similar nothing since this movie has hit me as hard except for maybe black panther and nothing has excited me like until they announce whatever the next avengers property is i'm just like uh passively just watching the mcu as it comes to me now i don't i'm not like speculating i don't look i'm not really looking forward to anything i think they did a really good job and it was a good capstone but it just seems like we've been meandering ever since. You know, WandaVision was entertaining and Doctor Strange 2 I really liked, but it just seemed like there was a lot of, um, like it, we seem listless right now. And th the thing I enjoyed about Endgame was it was the second time Marvel did the hat trick. The first time was the Avengers movie. They started Iron Man without a roadmap. And they said, can we get to Avengers with all these B-list characters? And they did it, they pulled it off and it worked. And then they teased Thanos. It wasn't even like a plan. That was a reshoot and it was a stunt double. It wasn't Idris Elba at the end of Avengers. It was a stunt guy in makeup. And it was just like, hey, maybe this is a thing. And then they pulled it off. Like they pulled it off the first time with just doing the Avengers and that movie working. And then they pulled it off again like 10 or five years later with Infinity War and then Endgame where it shouldn't have all come together and worked. And we could talk about the things that don't work. There's a lot of complaints about these types of movies, but I just think there's nothing really else like this that you can point to in any other movie. And the other things you would point to, to say it's like Star Wars doing this or Star Trek doing this, you're talking about properties that are now trying to do what Marvel did. You know what I mean? It's like everyone's trying to build the shared universe. The fucking Universal Monsters want a shared universe. You know what I mean? One and movie. it's like, one well, movie had it. Like, Evan and Costello already did this. So it's like, <laughs> you guys already, you guys are visionaries. You just, you forget your own history. <laughs> uh, it's up. Uh, uh, Steven, to your point, you know, I know John said from the beginning that uh, Infinity War is like three movies, like packed into one. It's, it's kind of like a, a minotaur, but it's like three animals. You know, and it's yeah, you're right. It shouldn't work because and I remember when I first saw Endgame in the theater, I, I I was constantly readjusting myself. Yeah, it's like, OK, oh, wait, we've turned into this comedic again. It's a time heist in the middle. I mean, the, the Russos were continuing their formula from from Infinity War, where whatever character took center stage in the narrative it became like their movie and it was in the same tone as what their movies were. So that whole time heist thing, it's essentially an Ant-Man movie. You know, yeah. Because... It's well, the, 
I always say is like Endgame is all the Avengers that didn't get their own movies yeah. or needed to have a quick sequel got it crammed into Endgame. Right. Hulk has a little story arc that his it could be his little movie. It could be Thor's little movie with the whole thing. It's the Guardians, you know, it's Thanos. It's it's like they they just had such an immense checklist to go through to make that movie work and to put all the plot points to bed to wrap everything up. And then I remember watching like um an extra or something on the DVD or one of the specials and they were saying that the Russos went out of their way to make a reference to each of the MCU films in Endgame. So every single MCU film gets a direct reference in that movie. And it's like, why? <laughs> you had all this other homework. Why are you doing extra bullshit? You know what I mean? But it's like, uh, these were the exact right guys to do this movie at the exact right time. I don't know anybody else that could pull that off and juggle just the amount of storylines they had to juggle. You know, and it's like... Um, the things that frustrate me about the comic books now frustrate me about the movies where the movies are now retconning stuff that happened. Like uh, She-Hulk did this where at the end of Endgame, Hulk's arm's all damaged and he's his, he's well, he's done. His arm is back. It's all fucked up. Yeah. And then he gets an infusion from She-Hulk in like the first episode of her show. The next time we see the Hulk after Endgame and he's like, oh, I'm fine. My arm's great. Look, I can be the Hulk again. It's like, okay. And then, like, Thor's immediately not fat anymore. You know what I mean? It's just, like, a lot of the stuff that it felt like they set up that was going to be things that the characters could then deal with, we didn't get a lot of. It's, like, the biggest thing was probably Sam Wilson getting the shield. Um, but then they, instead of him, he, Cap hands him the shield, but then the next show, the show is all about how, oh, no, 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 he ain't got the shield yet. We got half the season, he can't be Captain America yet. It's, like... It just seems like they have no idea where they're supposed to go yet. And um, until they have an Avengers in place, they don't know what they're doing. And it's like they make that joke in all their movies now. Who are the Avengers? We don't know. And it's like, okay, but like, who are the Avengers? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but do they? Do we need to know who the Avengers are when, when now we have the Fantastic Four and the X-Men? I, I know you do. Well, but I, yeah, I, yeah, I understand what you're saying and I have a clear bias, but it's, um, why Marvel's not, not going to do all of them. You know what I mean? They're not going to leave the pile of money on the table. That is Avengers five or six. Well, the, and I think that's what you're making. The Avengers are not the Avengers. The Avengers are the Marvel crossover. They are for the movie. Yeah. Oh, but see, I think that's part of my problem is to me, the Avengers is just another book. I understand they're the guys that fight the big fight, right? But uh, now it's just the crossover movie. It's the crossover property. Wherever the crossover is, it gets dumped in the Avengers. So instead of the Avengers fighting an Avengers problem with Avengers, Doctor Strange is there. The Hulk is there. Spider-Man's there because we're going to put all the A-team on the Avengers now. So it's like, um, it's I'm the Avengers fan because I like love the comic a lot and the movies are great, but it's the movies are kind of so far from the comics now that it's it's kind of its own thing for me you know it's like i don't really the avengers are fun and that's the property i'm most excited for in the mcu but it's that's the stuff i'm excited most um it's for a very different reason than the, than the comic it's just not the same anymore because they're so they're so different and they should be you know i don't need to watch um you know them recreate the exact same comics you know we read a hundred times already you know i also want to speak to uh 
my shaken not heard co-host Dave Pino, um, because when uh, I was doing shaken not heard with him, it was an educational process for me learning how the movies differed from the books, and we thought we'd flip it here, having Dave on this show where he would learn how the movies differ from the books, and I think we've we've all come to the agreement that. Uh, Hollywood has gotten very accustomed to just taking properties and just doing, you know, using it as a springboard or a seed and then doing its own thing yeah. beyond that. Like the Bond movies are nothing like the books. Yeah. The Bond movies are nothing like the books. Yeah. And I think that's where maybe initially the Marvel movies, like you could make an argument like Iron Man 1 is a lot of um, extremists or whatever. You know what I mean? You can You can kind of point to what were the ingredients now. But, you know, people came into the comic book store when Infinity War came out and they'd say, what is this movie based on? And they grab the Infinity War comic book and it's like, that is nothing. <laughs> that is a name only. The Age of Ultron was the same thing. It's the name only. These books have nothing to do with one another. And well, um, yeah. it's really the it's ingredients. That's all it is. It's the Elliot's exactly right. It's they're they're grabbing stuff that happened in different books and using them in different properties. You know, this happened in Guardians of the Galaxy, and we're gonna go put it over here with uh, Young Avengers now. So you know, it's not even that they'll stay consistent to their own books. I think it's kind of a free for all. There is one thing though in the movie that happened in the comics in the Infinity War comic with Thanos and the snap. Except yeah, that kind except, of stuff. Uh, the person who watched him snap his fingers was the Mephisto. And I swear to God, Mephisto is constantly teased in every freaking movie. Like, oh, oh, wait, that's Mephisto. Oh, Mephisto's going to show up here. Mephisto's going to show up there. Yeah. And Mephisto They're is never going to use Mephisto because we've cried. We're the boys who cried Mephisto. Yeah, I, I know. I do think this is uh, this is a weird thing that happened. And I was absolutely part of this problem was uh, right after Endgame or right around Endgame, I think there was such hype and it was so easy to speculate and everyone had a pet theory about what the MCU was going to do next or where it was going to go. And people like me who had access and the ability or the free time to start YouTube channels, start a channel speculating, this is what's coming next, here's what's coming next, blah, blah, blah. And I think that was kind of for me when I was like, oh, everyone's it, it just kind of got like everyone's saying the same thing everyone's speculating mephisto 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 and i do think people in marvel had enough time to course correct and are probably like they were going to do mephisto and they're probably like and eh, it's kang you know i think kang was always coming but i do think they probably pay attention to enough of that stuff or have people that pay attention to enough of that stuff and they had enough time to make a course correction and either pull them or well, it's like John uh, or were deliberately fucking with us, which I think they do that too. Yeah, it's like John Krasinski as Reed Richards. The fan said, oh, this has to happen, this has to happen, this has to happen. So they're like, all right, it's happening in Doctor Strange, and now we're murdering him. Yes, and I, I kind of like that stuff. They did it in the comics with um, Astonishing X-Men, and I don't think you could really do this anymore, but Joss Whedon did this when... Uh, this is a spoiler for like a 20 year old comic. So if anyone's salty, I'm sorry, but Joss Whedon and uh, John Cassidy did a run on astonishing X-Men and they, uh, it was rumored in the book that they were going to bring an X-Men back. And everyone immediately always thinks it's Gene because it's always Gene. And they had John Cassidy work up a cover with the like Cyclops holding a corpse with the optic blast shooting in the sky. And behind him is a giant firebird. So it's like a leaked cover and they leaked it online 
and everybody did exactly what they want him to do. They ran with it and they said, Gene's coming back. Gene's coming back. It's Gene, Gene, Gene. And then when they go down and they do the reveal and it's Colossus, everyone lost their fucking minds because no one saw it coming. So uh, you can't do that anymore because of the internet. You know what I mean? It's like that kind of thing is like a thing of the past. You know, you can't pull like a, a 180 on people like that anymore. Well, okay. I think they, they did a little bit of that in this movie of they did the the time travel thing, but they didn't do time travel the way I would have expected them to do time travel. They did it in a, a very, they didn't go back and try to erase the snap right from infinity war. They went back and tried to do something completely different. And in terms of, I guess a, a rug pull or something like that, or surprising the audience, they kill Thanos in the first yeah 10 minutes of the movie. It is. And I remember I, I, I forget they do it because then you think, well, they fight him at the end. But when I was in the theater and they killed him, I remember being like, huh? Like, what is the rest of this movie going to be about? They just murdered the motherfucker, you know? And it wasn't even hard. It was easy, you know? It's a, the, the thing I will say about, about Endgame is that um, what was clever there is that even though we'll say the Avengers will ultimately win at the end, it's not a complete win there are there are still consequences to their first failure i mean and they will be exploring that you know like in in wandavision and all this stuff that comes afterwards the blip with people losing like five years of their life yeah and all the stuff that goes on it's especially weird i think that was a brilliant way to do it um because there has to be consequences. You can't just undo it because then it's cheap and then nothing matters. So right. it was an interesting choice. And I think your point about it being clever is kind of like it had to be clever because they weren't going to out moxie the internet mind think of speculation. So they sidestepped the whole question and did it in a different manner than people like Tom or people who were speculating and kind of figuring out what was coming before they saw it. You know, like they lie to us in trailers. They show footage that they tweak then. It's all different in the computer or whatever. Um, but I, I think it's, um, time travel is always going to be a difficult thing to do. They did it in an interesting way. Um, and uh, so, it, but, but then they benefited by then fucking COVID happening and then the fucking world went on lockdown and then you watch Endgame. I watched it during lockdown and it's fucking weird watching that movie when we were three months in a lockdown with COVID. So yep. It wasn't that just that a weird thing happened that now is a global event in the largest contemporary movie franchise of all time. It's that it happened at the same time that like a massive global event happened to like the whole planet. You know what I mean? So it's like it made something like the blip, like um, something we could all relate to an event that happened to everybody. Everyone knows somebody that got COVID, you know, not everyone got COVID, but everyone knows somebody that got it. Everyone knew somebody in the MCU that got blipped. So it's like, it's an interesting parallel with the real world. And that's the kind of stuff that always made Marvel like the comics work for me was that it was like, Oh, something that happens in the world that kind of can affect everybody. Or it's like, um, it would mirror, you know, conceivable events. You know what I mean? Um, real quick before we lose track of the, uh, comments here, Lehman wants to comment on the drink, uh, Tom, I don't know anything about cocktails. That looks like such a drink, great drink that you created, Tom. Oh, and yeah, thank you. It's one thank of those you, drinks man. that's easy to make at home. So if you're watching Avengers Endgame at home, uh, go to Review Cocktails and make your own 
uh, your own version of The Long Way Home. Yes. Uh, one other th one other note, uh, Lehman, if you're watching and you're looking to make this at home, uh, ideally you want to use some kind of fresh pineapple juice. So you can either buy uh, pineapple and cut it or chunks of pineapple and put it into a blender and then kind of strain off the pulp. Or if you want to shortcut that process, Trader Joe's makes a really, really good fresh pineapple juice. Um, that is uh, readily available and cheap, and that's a good way of doing it. And the orange liqueur is an orange liqueur of your preference, and you should probably have that in your liquor cabinet anyway. Oh, man, my, my liquor cabinet's growing. All right, uh, let's go a little bit deeper here. Uh, uh, Stephen, you've already touched on a bunch of things. Okay, let's, 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 I'm sorry, let's nitpick a little. I'll nitpick, and I'll tell you what, what my issues were with, with the film. Uh, what threw me off, okay? Again, the time travel stuff, it, they tried to be very self-aware, and they were talking about uh, how time travel works, but then you have the whole bit with uh, Bruce Banner saying, that's not how time travel works. It's not like in the Back to the Future movies, as Dave, you know, uh, is well aware of, or a hot tub time machine. They mention hot tub time machine. Uh and, and they make the, the, the joke where it's like, now, you can't change the past, the past or the future. The past is the present. If you go into the into the future, the, the present is your past. And some confusing stuff that was going on uh, in, in, my, in my mind. Well, that really stuck out to me, that part, because I realized that um, what the Hulk is saying there is that you can't fix the timeline. You, you just create alternate realities. And watching it this time, I was like, oh, that's everything they're doing now. As much as we're talking about, we don't know where it's going. They're they're listless. We don't, we know they just keep ringing that multiverse bell. And it's like, oh, Hulk lays it all out of like, this is a multiverse. And of course, we have this scene where Loki escapes with the Tesseract, which then becomes the Loki series on Disney+, Plus, which then introduces us to variants and really explains the multiverse. But they lay they lay all that out, but then they end it with Steve Rogers just going like, I'm going to stay in the past. And here I am in the present and I'm old. I'm like, no, no, you just told me you'd create an alternate reality. We would never see Steve Rogers again. Yeah. And that's we'd the thing. Be is that, that you've been an episode of what if forever. Yeah. But it's the, it's the walking the line between uh, wrapping up all the plot points and trying to make time travel make sense, which I don't think might ever work. And then, uh, the Hollywood ending. Uh, somebody had to have a happy ending because one of the Avengers was going to die. And I knew it was going to be Iron Man or Cap because we knew Chris Hemsworth was coming back to do more Thor movies and both Iron Man and Cap had repeatedly said, hey, we want out, we want out, we want out. So right, it's and, just like, and that's why in Infinity War, Tony almost dies. Right. Because so, that rumor yes. had been going around for so long. They were like, Tony's going to die. Robert Downey Jr. is done. Tony's going to die. Tony's going to die. And and when we were watching Infinity War, when he gets stabbed, I'm like, oh, does Tony I thought, die? I thought, that's what, I thought he was dead. And I thought, oh, he's not going to be in the next movie. So... Well, it's it was that Rathacon move where, yes. you know, every, it leaked that Spock was going to die. So they kill him in the first five minutes. And right. they fake they fake out and then he gets up and he's like, oh, you know, and Kirk says, aren't you dead? And then you forget about it. So when he does die at the end, you're like, oh, no, no. Yeah. And they did that trick, but just across two movies with Tony. Yeah, I. that's what I mean. I, they were very aware, I think, of the kind of the position they were standing in and the swings that were going to come their way. 
in terms of the sci-fi leap they were going to take tackling time travel crossovers multiverses and all this other stuff and i think it's like they still have to give us the hollywood ending somebody has to have a happy ending and it's like cap gets to dance with the girl because the russos remember they started in captain america movies so winter soldier through civil war and then the last two avengers movies was all them that's one big arc for captain america those guys were telling and the same thing with bucky too so it's like um, and also and, they and kept, sam wilson they just kept building up that love story between steve and peggy and they kept peggy going um you know peggy carter is the first mcu show agents of shield is the first time they tried it but it doesn't really connect peggy carter is the first time they bring it back because jarvis from the peggy carter show is in this in the flashback yeah yeah and we see peggy carter working in shield that shows us that that series happened and she's still around i mean they tried to bring in uh, sharon carter nobody cared <laughs> you know so like they were building her up to be steve's love interest and no it yeah. didn't stick well they'll bring her back in in um Captain America, uh, sorry, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, they yeah. Heard it. And we still won't care <laughs> because we didn't care the last time. No, they made her evil and we didn't care. That's what I'm saying. She was evil. They tried her good. They tried her evil. We just don't care. Well, it's just a weird thing, too, with the way they, the whole bit where, okay, now where you're telling me that that Steve ends up being Sharon Carter's uncle? Well, know, ultimately. just. Yeah, it's like you kind of start pulling on that thread and it kind of gets weirder the longer you think about it. Well, I, I always think to myself that Steve would spend the next 70 years just as Peggy's house husband of just it's just she comes home from S.H.I.E.L.D. with talking oh, yeah. about some global crisis. And I just picture Steve coming out of maybe with like a, a mustache as a disguise or something like that, just coming out of the kitchen with an apron, you know asking her to please sit down and have some pot roast while it's still hot. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I do find that weird that Captain America is like, yeah, I'm not going to be Captain America anymore. Yeah. Even, even knowing like, oh, my younger self is running around and saving the world so I don't have to. There's like 60 years of no Captain America. Yeah, I well, think it's yeah. like I had talked or I had heard it was rumored and this is maybe speculation that there was going to be a series or something showing Cap returning the gems to where they all belong. And that that wasn't just going to be like a 10 minute thing and he'd go, he would take years to do it. So as to do it safely and correctly, but mm -hmm. who knows? You know what I mean? I agree. The cap being just like, uh, that's it. It's like, did he do, was he nomad and was doing secret cap missions for Nick Fury? Like I kind of feel like we'll get cap again still in the MCU. Or maybe yeah, Iron Chris, Man will come Chris back. Chris Evans is still young. I mean, yeah. you know, Robert Downey Jr. was aging out. But Chris Evans, I mean, I just saw the trailer for the movie he's got with Anna Darmus. He looks fantastic. Yeah. Not, not as muscular, though. He's not as muscular. He doesn't need well, to be, though, right? No, he does, yeah, doesn't. Yeah. workout regimen. He doesn't yeah. have to be. He probably is not eating 14 chickens a day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or whatever the fucking workout. Salmon. Yeah. They eat salmon. Chris Pratt salmon, is yeah. not that muscular, and there's another Guardians coming out in a week. Yeah. yeah. You can't keep that up. Yeah. Well, no, against again the reference Dave in his Back to the Future shirt. I I picture I picture Steve Rogers doing like Marty McFly in Back to the Future 2, just watching his previous self doing shit, you know. Yeah. Like he's, he's in the same room. sandbags on people. Yeah. <laughs> 
he's, he's always like back. he's he always goes to the fights. He knows where they're gonna happen, so he's yeah. the one throwing his own shield back to him. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the shield doesn't, doesn't actually do it's that. It's, it's that older Cap throwing it around like holy shit! I can't believe this. <laughs> Ooh, what if Steve Rogers is the Watcher? Yeah, I mean that's what they made Bucky, right? The man on the wall or whatever the fuck that Jason Aaron horse shit was in I original thought that was sin. Fury. It was, and then it became Barry was a watcher. Yeah, have, yeah. Um, so dumb. Have Jeffrey Wright as watcher. Yeah. From, uh, what if? Yeah. Which I I would love to see in live action one day. Yeah, that'd be it's, great. It's if we talked about the Russo brothers' background, and um, I mentioned this when we, all the way back when we talked about Winter Soldier, is their, and I think I've mentioned it on Infinity War, their background in TV in Community, and this is you could break this movie up into three. John said you could break it up into three parts and each one of those three parts, the dealing with trauma has its own kind of arc and conclusion and character progress. And then the time heist has its own arc and progress and kind of catastrophic moment with the soul stone and conclusion where um, black widow dies kind of horrifically and dramatically. And that is that that's the conclusion of the the time heist portion where you have this catharsis with uh, Tony and uh, and Howard. And then you have the the um, conclusion of the the Hawkeye and Black Widow uh, arc uh, and ending Scarlett Johansson's tenure um, in the MCU. Except for, well, an except, for, movie that she's except for an entire to, movie that nobody her. saw. Which because... is unfortunate because I've heard that, like, I know Jeremy Renner had, like, a terrible accident, and I hope he's okay. But, like, I've heard he's kind of like a psychopath. And it seemed like Scarlett Johansson. Like a psychopath that would hang out of a moving snowcat? Oh, I don't know how he got injured. Uh, but I mean, he, I heard a, he was, like, putting loaded guns in his wife's mouth and stuff like this. Like, fucked up stuff. I don't know about allegations. I don't know. But um, it also never seemed like he never felt like a good fit for the MCU. Like I never really cared about Hawkeye in the MCU. Jeremy Renner to me is just kind of like he could have been anybody, you know, any action guy just got stuck in that role. Scarlett Johansson actually looked like she wanted to be there. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. to me, it seems like they they should have killed Hawkeye and kept her, you know? Yeah. Except when you look back, like the Hawkeye Disney plus show is better than the Black Widow movie. Oh, but yeah, would I, a Black yeah. Widow Disney yeah. Plus show have better been better than a Black Widow movie? You yes. know, like I think they could have made the Black Widow show based on the Mark Wade Chris Somni run. That mm -hmm. would have been a great show. Jeremy Renner kind of sucks. They could have done that Hawkeye show without him. It would have been better without him. You know. Well, <laughs> well they have a Kate Bishop now. Yeah, there um, they could. They, they could have just done her show. I was going to say Black Widow was riffing on James Bond. I mean, she's even watching Moonraker in the movie. Yeah. Uh, whereas, uh, you know, Hawkeye was a home, home alone in the MCU. So, yeah, <laughs> I think the fact that they we talked about, like, there's sort of a, a malaise or like indifference to the MCU now post endgame or at least post, the, you know, with the last few films. Obviously, No Way Home, no Way Home was a huge, huge yeah. deal. But um, the fact that they did a movie about black widow after her character was dead was killed off like a prequel um obviously a big part of the reason they did that was to set up future characters and, and storylines for uh you know future films like you know introducing florence Pugh's character yeah but 
was there any reason that movie could not have been made while her character was still if, alive? You know, I might from be what I heard, that was in development of a long, long time. Yeah, I think it was part of COVID, if I'm not mistaken, too. Was that the when COVID happened, so many of the MCU, like John had made point. Uh, when we went to see Doctor Strange, I didn't notice it when we saw the movie, but when we got out of the movie, John made a point. He said, "There's a scene where Doctor Strange." Uh, America Chavez and somebody else sit in a diner and they have a quick conversation about Spider-Man. I think Wong's the other yes. person. And it looks like they grabbed those three people real quick, put them on a plane in New York City, got them dressed up, put them in a diner and shot a scene to make sense for a movie that was supposed to come out before Spider-Man, but ended up coming out after Spider-Man. And it's mm -hmm. a scene that looked clearly injected into the movie because now it didn't make sense because it was out of order. And I think the movies that came out after Endgame that came out around COVID got shifted out of order. But they well, still Black had to come out whenever well, they Scarlett were done. Scarlett Johansson sued Disney because they yeah. put her movie on Disney Plus because of COVID. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, so, and, and uh, you're right. Doctor Strange was supposed to come out before No Way Home. So right. then they squeezed in this scene about like, oh, we just met Spider-Man. And it always – that's something we can talk about when we get to No Way Home – when they get to Dr. Strange's Sanctum Sanctorum and there's snow everywhere and they're oh, just yeah. like, Oh, we left the door open. I'm like, you didn't spend that much to s cover a set with snow to yeah. do a throwaway joke. I think there was probably a point that connected it tighter to Dr. Strange. And they were like, well, we can't reshoot the snowy scene. Right. But you're right. It, it starts to come off the tracks after Endgame, And it's like, it's one of the things that makes Endgame so brilliant is that it builds and builds and builds and builds and it caps off everything. And it is a trick they can't they can't seem to do again. Yeah, and I don't think they should try. I don't want to see them set up the villain and it's a big buildup and the whole thing. It's like, you know, everyone was like, who is it? Is it Kang? Who's the next big villain? And it's like, who cares? There's always going to be villains. That's how fucking superhero movies work. It's the setting the endless speculation that everything has to build and connect and be a thing i don't really dis i disagree with that premise just make good superhero movies that's it they don't even have to be superhero movies you know what i mean they got they keep talking they want to do these genre movies and doctor strange 2 is going to be a horror movie and it's like okay they're all still in a marvel box that's just in like the horror corner of the box you know what yeah. i mean it's like get outside of the box try something like i keep hearing i haven't seen it yet but Werewolf by Night is supposed to be like crazy, weird, and wild. Yes, and I was right about to bring that, that up. That's, do more of that, you know. It's pretty far out. It it's almost like it's a '70s and you picked up a Werewolf by Night issue. Yeah, you and don't see, expect that's, to see Spider Man in that thing, and you and don't. that's cool. And I they should try to do more stuff like that then. Okay, uh, we're we're running on we're running in the hour and a half mark, and I don't want to belabor things, but I, I for you must the be some toys then. Yeah, okay, let's uh, let's talk about some toys, and then I have one last question I want to throw out to the to the panel. Uh, so yes, let's talk about the uh, MCU review toy feature. Yeah, there were multiple sets of Marvel Legends at this point. Marvel Legends is as big as Star Wars with in terms of character selection, and that's not even counting doing figures based on the comic books. Uh, so there were multiple lines based on both Infinity War and Endgame, but the ones I brought out were my favorite ones. They were actually done much later. Um, like Star Wars, you can now Hasbro can keep going back to these movies years later and bring out new characters and they'll sell because these have become iconic moments. So, but there was a two pack, I believe it was uh, just last year, 2022. 
uh, that's my favorite because it has uh, a, tha- a snapping Thanos. And if you'll notice, he has the Hulk hand and it has no Infinity Stones in it, even though he's snapping it because he's at the moment where he doesn't realize it. And he, he has no Infinity Stones because they included the death of Tony Stark figure, which oh. does have the Infinity Stones and he's got the battle damage on his face. And when I saw this, there was a Hot Toys of Tony Stark like this that lights up and he's $450. And I'm like, yeah, I get Whoa. one. It's such a classic moment, I think, in, in movie history that when I saw this, I was like, yes, give me Thanos again. Give me Tony Stark again. This is a figure that I'll probably never leave my collection just because that moment. And we didn't even cover it. The death of Tony Stark. Yeah. It was it, when you see it the first time on screen, you're like, oh, I'm going to remember this forever. Yeah. And, and and when you think about it, too, the scene where he goes, I am Iron Man, that wasn't even what they initially filmed. He went through 20 different lines. That's crazy. Yeah. They had they, to go back and reshoot it to yeah. actually have Tony Stark say, I am Iron Man. Which The fact that per- they didn't think of that first is mind-boggling. Yes. Yeah. That perfectly bookends Iron Man 1. And, of course, you know, what? that's how he finishes the, 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 his last line in the first Iron Man movie. That will be his last line in Endgame. And um, that that scene where Pepper says, okay, Tony, you can rest now. You know, she always knew that he was trying to, again, build a shield of armor around the world. It's just, again, uh, see, it's moments like that that make you forgive all the nitpicking. <laughs> and make you forgive that Iron Man built fucking time machine on like a dare and, and in the <laughs> evening. You know, it's like, what the fuck was he doing for fucking five years? He was raising that girl who was stealing oh his Oh my own. god. Well, then people shouldn't have fucking kids, I guess, because he could have been paradise if he just cried about Peter Parker more. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tom, what was that? I was like, what was he doing for five years when you have a kid? It's like, the. the I think John is the only other parent on this show that can understand what were you doing for five years. It's like, but the, the, you have kids. <laughs> takes over your life. Oh, yeah. You want to hear how my stand-up career ended? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And and uh, it's funny, too, because Morgan Stark, I keep waiting for them to bring do something with her. Uh, Morgan Stark, uh, as many will, uh, may know, they actually have a scene with an older Morgan Stark where Tony sees... Um, his daughter as an older, uh, as a young woman, and they cut that scene all together. They changed it out for the um, the bit where he's doing the recording and talking to his um, younger daughter. Well, they said that was confusing because it was a brand new actress no one had seen before. Yeah. yeah. And then you're thinking, they're going to bring her back at some point because you've got to bring Morgan Stark back. I mean, at some point. Um, uh, you know that you have to have the legacy of Iron Man continuing, because then you uh, you of course introduce Ironheart in the last Black Panther movie, but you never have an official passing of the torch to her from Iron Man like in the comic books. Yeah, I'd actually kind of want to see Rhodey as Iron Man. It's like uh, I don't think they will. I think they're just going to make him War Machine for or Iron Patriot or whatever, but. They yeah, did it in the comics, and, and Armor I just, Wars is now a movie that was going to be a series, right? But like they're talking about um, doing Secret Wars as like one of the next big Avengers movies, and it's like that was Rhodey was in Secret Wars. Tony Stark didn't go to Battle World and fight Doom as a god. That was Rhodey as Iron Man, you know. And it's like uh, 
that would be cool just to have him as Iron Man if they do end up doing Secret Wars and they're going to do anything like that, which they probably won't. But if they did, um, that'd be really sweet. Oh, all right. So um, uh, talking about that, let me let me throw this last thing out to the crew because, um, of course, the, the we're now going to be entering the next phase of the MCU review. Uh, we've passed Endgame. As uh, Steven said, as a lot, we've already said a lot of us. I know for me, Endgame was the train got into the station. And I was happy with the ride, and I got off the train and I let it go. And maybe I'll get back on again. Who knows? Um, but as far as the MCU review goes, uh, an interesting wrinkle has been uh, been created by our good friends at Disney Plus. The Spider-Man films, mm. namely the Sam Raimi <laughs> Spider-Man movies, are now on the Marvel page. <laughs> and with uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, which we will get to at, at, at one point. Um, well, Far From Home is it would be our next movie. Next one. Our next one is Spider-Man, no matter what you say. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. Mar the Marvel Studios has cleverly folded the Sam Raimi and the Andrew Garfield, or the Tobey Maguire and the Andrew Garfield films into the MCU narrative. So my question to the crew, and I will put out to the viewers of the MCU review is, do we talk about the Spider-Man films outside of the Tom Holland ones? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I As don't a, think you're ever going to get John to say, no, don't talk about <laughs> Spider-Man. That's I, I'm trying to picture the words in my head, but I just can't imagine that sequence coming out and the order and that having. Not unless I'm already talking about Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, 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 maybe. Right. Well, John had Dave backing him up right away. What do you say, Tom? Uh, I think we need to get through. I think we need to get through at, at a minimum. We need to get through far from home before we do the Raimi ones. Um, I think doing them ahead of no way home would be good. Um, I'm going to have to think of a wildly different cocktails for uh, the five. Um, well, the, the, the three Raimi films and the two Andrew Garfield films. I already have the, um, as uh, you guys know, I already have the uh, far from home drink already lined up and ready for beta testing. So uh, I, I think for amazing Spider-Man two, I'll just like use like a can of cream of mushroom soup or something like that. <laughs> and hit yourself in the head with it. <laughs> Um, for the for Spider-Man three, you have to come up with something that's black and like oily and viscous. The venom drink, and, yeah, and sorely disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> something, something, Fernabranca. <laughs> All right. All right. I think we're doing the Spider-Man movies. I guess it looks like. It I think like I think doing them right ahead of No Way Home would that would I think be the ideal place to start because yeah, that's technically i think if you were gonna put them on the timeline the marvel mcu the mcu isn't a multiverse until it becomes a multiverse so those right. movies fit where it becomes a multiverse 
Well, then, um, I think uh, because uh, Spider-Man um, Across the Spider-Verse actually references Doctor Strange. So are we going to be talking about the animated movies, too? There is a rumor that all mm. three live-action Spider-Man are in Across the Spider-Verse. Well, we'll, we'll have to yeah. see Across the spider It's going to take a while to get to Across the Spider-Verse. Um, when does but... that come out? We already passed mm -hmm. into the Spider Verse. If we yeah. could back, that was 2018. Yeah, yeah I was saying, but we could we could fold that in with the other Spider Man movies. That's the only Mar that is the only Marvel movie to win the Oscar for Best Picture. The one well, best it, animated it, film that beat Pixar. Yeah. Oh right, right, right. Yeah. And and it is it's probably the best Spider Man movie I've I've seen. Yeah, just like the Batman Lego movie is the best Batman movie I've ever seen. <laughs> I think. Um, I think we, I, my argument is the same as like the way they say that the best place to watch the prequel Star Wars trilogy is between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Okay. Why? Right. <laughs> Why? Yeah. That's the machete order. Yeah, the machete <laughs> order. Yeah, John's right. It's the, the machete yeah. order. Yeah, so because you... when Darth Vader says, I am your father, then you stop and go back and you see why don't they right father. right okay all right well that'll be to discuss so if anyone has thoughts on how we should review that by all means please comment on our facebook and youtube pages we read everything and Susan... i need to know which can of soup for the second amazing spider-man movie <laughs> <laughs> susan says okay to spy susan's on board with us talking about the spider-man films thank you susan all right I think that's you know. Uh, I I just say uh, it. It just happened to me this past weekend. John said, "Hey, Quantum Mania is on Disney Plus." I was like, oh, "Okay, I think I'm going to watch it." And then I couldn't find it. And yet, all the uh, the three Sam Raimi Spider Man films and the first Andrew Garfield film were on there. I'm like, "What the what? I don't remember I them." They just left Netflix. Yeah, they're, they're going, they when did they Netflix. announce this? You know, yeah. I thought they would have ended up on stars. <laughs> Probably were at one point. But oh. you know, if you needed to catch up on Ash versus Evil Dead, there's that's where your subscription dollar goes. Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, Tom, a drink must be named the Web Slinger. Uh, Susan has that um, has that uh, suggestion there. The Web Slinger. I like it. That's All right. Yeah. Let's uh, wrap it up with our final thoughts on. Avengers Endgame. Oh my God! Uh, I, D Dave, you are 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 an interesting fellow. The things that you can find. <laughs> Let me put this on here, uh, so everyone can see what we're talking, what I'm talking about. That uh, Dave shared in our private chat. Well, it's not it is, anymore. Yeah, it's the mushroom martini. <laughs> I feel like Tom is insane enough to try this, to try to recreate it. Well, let me let me take a look at the recipe here. I'll see ice uh, infused with dry mushrooms, dry vermouth, marinated mushroom for garnish. I mean, that actually that's, sounds that's a, pretty good. That's yeah, that's not. A, I mean, you know, any kind of gin infusion, like depending on what you try, it all depends on the, the mushrooms, I guess, you're using. If you want to add a little. I mean, all gin is gin uses some weird roots and things like that in it anyway. That's 
that's somebody's favorite martini. I guarantee you that's somebody's favorite. And, and that's a real martini, not like an apple teeny or an espresso martini is not a real martini. That's just a regular martini with some infused gin. So, you know, when they, get, when they reboot bond, this is what they're going to do. This is how they're going to reimagine. Yeah. <laughs> Which by the way, we're still waiting on hearing. Word is that there's going to be, there's going to be no talk about who's going to be playing bond for at least another year or two. So they have a script yet. So they're not even close to casting. So, eh, you know, I don't know. Well, I guess you can wait. Wait, wait, let let things settle. Let the also let movie theater chains get their act back together. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh we're hitting uh, the hour and a half mark. So let's go round the horn again and give our final thoughts on uh, Avengers Endgame, whatever you weren't able to bring up uh uh during the discussion. Let's start with you, Tom. Uh, well, we talked about them sticking the landing and and nailing a lot of the, the the plot points and tying off loose ends, but I think key to that is the emotional arcs of it. Like it's not just satisfying because like we hardly talked about Thor. Thor gets an entire arc to himself about dealing with guilt and shame and failure. Um, really like going to a very we can laugh about quote unquote fat Thor all we want, but that is a deep, horrible depression that he's in at having failed at seemingly the one thing he was really good at in his life. Um, so that kind of coming to something like an emotional conclusion, you know, um, bringing back Freya and, and doing that, uh, doing the, doing the Steve, doing the uh the tony uh even with uh bruce and getting some kind of a, a emotional feeling there with losing natasha um that's hard to do and i think a lesser movie would have avoided that or would have done it ham-fistedly uh, and focused on the minute mechanics of the plot and to the russo brothers uh, extraordinary credit they didn't and managed to find places in a three hour movie to pull that off. So hats off for them for knowing when and how to take the time and how to fit that in. So we can have a real emotional catharsis rather than just like, Oh, Hey, great. It worked feeling at the end of the movie, which is how kind of how I remember leaving the theater for the first time is just being emotionally drained. Dave. Um, actually, I'm surprised Tom did mention the point early in the film that because half the population has gone, the Mets become contracted. Oh, that's right. Well, <laughs> not enough New Yorkers to sustain two MLB franchises. Right. Well, we talked about, we, 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 because I, we, we talked about this on a, on a little one-on-one -on -one chat at some point about how something to the effect that the American and national leagues had plenty of teams uh, when the population had almost the same number of teams that they do today when the population was half the size in the United States. So they didn't need to contract the Mets, but if you have an opportunity to contract the Mets, why wouldn't you get rid of the Mets? So they just got rid of them on general principle. Ouch. Ouch. Well, young Peter Parker is not around to see that happen. And everyone knows Peter Parker's a Mets fan. Yeah. Steven. 
Uh, I would say to kind of talk about what Tom was saying is uh, it's that it shouldn't have worked. And the reason I think a lot of it does work isn't just that the Russos were kind of like the only people that might have been able to pull that off. Is that like it works emotionally because they got good actors to play the characters. Like you will care about Robert Downey Jr. When like my sister-in-law still cries when he dies, like cries, cries. And it's like, she is not a crier at all. <laughs> so it's like, uh, and I think it's the longevity that they could keep these guys in these roles for 10 years at a time. So we do watch Robert Downey Jr be Iron Man for years and see him develop these relationships. Like we got to see, they split him and Captain America up in infinity war. So they don't interact at all. And then they put them back together for this one. So it's like, um, I mean, he gets to have a whole thing with his dad. Why? <laughs> you know, just so they can fucking tear at our heartstrings. It's like they did a lot of fan service stuff. Um, but I think it worked because this was the movie to do it in. You know what I mean? They, they This movie was a big enough risk anyway. They didn't need to... Um, uh, a little bit of fan service was kind of kind of grease the wheels in case this wasn't going to be the soft landing that it was. Because this very much could have been an absolute clown show of a movie. <laughs> yeah, that Talk about Robert Downey Jr. That scene when he comes back from space and he's yeah. angry at Cap and saying, you know, you know, you weren't there, you know, you failed. Da, 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 da. That was a complete improvisation on Robert yeah. Downey Jr.'s part. And all, all that stuff just absolutely works. It's like the, mm -hmm. the, the, uh, the, it's the same kind of thing we really didn't see too much of because they broke the Avengers up so quickly. We didn't get a lot of the, what I would say, like post Avengers 1, pre Age of Ultron Avengers. The Avengers you see at the beginning of Age of Ultron. That's the Avengers firing on all cylinders. They're going on raids. They're taking on Hydra camps. It's easy. It's not a problem. Like they had, they know how to take the Hulk off the leash and how to put the leash back on the Hulk. It's like they figured it out. They're using Jarvis. There's a satellite. There's drones. It's like we saw that for so briefly. And now the Avengers is a whole different thing. And it's always going to be an evolving, changing thing, which is good. It's just uh, we got to see a lot of the characters standing around talking to each other and interacting and they put a lot of different personalities in the room together that they don't normally put in the room together um and it was good that some characters got to interact with each other's before they exit stage left and aren't going to be seen again you know so i just think it was a huge undertaking it kind of worked i think the problem with it is if you haven't seen the mcu up until this point the amount of work you have to do to, for this movie to work for you is probably too, too much for most people. Like we watched this live. We saw these movies when they came out, when they were released. If I was born like five years ago, I don't know that I could watch 20 fucking movies like this. It's a lot of work. You know, it is a lot of work to commit to getting the payoff that we all enjoyed having been fortunate enough to be at the right age to watch these movies and come up with these movies, you know? Well, Disney disagrees with you, and they're hoping that in Disney Plus that you will sit down and you will watch, yes, they you know, all those films. John, you only get to make a movie like this when you have the utmost confidence that your audience is going to stay with you. Um, I'm reminded again of the two two franchises I brought up at the beginning of the episode: um, Return of the King. 
opens quiet, ends quiet. It opens on a worm, the smallest thing it could possibly open on before there's all this spectacle. And it ends with Sam walking into his house, carrying one of his kids. This movie opens with Hawkeye teaching his daughter how to shoot an arrow and ends with uh, Steve and Peggy dancing in their own living room. It opens small and you only get to do that if you're not worried about the audience walking out. Uh, And it also reminds you of a conversation we had just yesterday when we were talking about Picard, about how Star Trek, uh, while always being kind of a niche show, knew its audience was never going to leave. So they would have a cliffhanger that was like data getting tea. Because they were like, where are you going to go, nerd? <laughs> and, you, you know, they knew you weren't going to change the channel. And you can only do that once. And I think, um, I don't know that Marvel's going to be in that position again. And uh, we keep bringing up, you know, they haven't hit the heights. They haven't hit the heights. The one height they hit was Spider-Man No Way Home, which, again, not a Disney movie. So it's almost like Disney Marvel never hit this again. Disney working with Sony did this again, but uh, not quite to the height we'd ever see it again. And it wasn't just that it was almost kind of like they replicated the same success, right? Because they piggybacked on every Spider-Man movie that came before to make that Spider-Man movie work. Right. So it's like, I remember you and I said, when No Way Home came out, I said, this is like, this is like Avengers end game. If Avengers end game was just, just Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah, so it I is. liked so I liked it more. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, which the my last thought then would be yeah that with Avengers Endgame, uh, Marvel will reach a height that I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think it's going to ever hit it again. I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe it will at some point down the line for a different audience. Uh, we've talked about this with other films with. A lot of the stuff that happens post Endgame, there's a lot of stuff that will be coming that, while entertaining, is not going to hit the same chord with me, I know, and not hitting the same chord with a lot of guys, a lot of folks who uh, took the ride from Iron Man to Endgame. So, but that's not to say that any of it's bad. Um, it's just, what is it, uh, that scene in, in Friends when... Um, uh, um, uh, Chandler, uh, not Chandler, uh, Ross has to confess to Rachel that he had sex with another woman. And she goes, so what was it like? What was it like? And all those friends are going, no, it was terrible. It was worse. Say it was bad. And he just goes, it was different. <laughs> that's what it's getting. That's what it's like now. It just feels different, which is fine. It's, it's fine. We're not going to get Marvel movies yet. now are like Jennifer Aniston dumping you. Pretty much, yes. I feel like Jennifer Aniston has dumped me, which ah, uh, oh, that's a common thread. Anyway, <laughs> uh, next up on the next MCU review, we're going to be talking about Spider-Man uh, Far From which Home. Which one? <laughs> Spider-Man Far From Home, because that one okay. does fit. It, it will be the epilogue. Uh, to Avengers Endgame. And then after that, we get into a whole new phase. And I think uh, we're going to be shuffling the deck with the MCU review. We're gonna, I'm thinking about let's we're going to do things a little bit differently than we have before. i uh, got to keep things fresh, just like Marvel's doing. Tell us what you have been thinking about us so far uh, here 
on the MCU Review Facebook page, on the YouTube page, and on Twitch TV. So before we go, uh, let's go around the horn one last time. Tell us your social media handles, Stephen Brown. You're on mute, Stephen. Thanks. I'm terrible at this. Uh, media, I've got uh, Brave Butter Pecan, and that'll be on Instagram. But this week specifically, I'm plugging uh, my buddy is running a Kickstarter for a documentary he's working on about the um, Galloping Ghost Arcade, and we're doing a live stream tomorrow. I'm going to be playing Dungeons & Dragons, I guess, with a couple comedians and the inventor or the artist of Qbert, the arcade game, who's a big Dungeons & Dragons player. Uh, so the streaming will be Wednesday, April 26th from 6 to 9 p.m. Central Standard Time on twitch.tv slash weave the tale. And that's all available. Uh, Ghost Lord and the Quest for Dark Presence is the name of the documentary and the Kickstarter. Excellent. Tom? Uh, you can find the It's Been a Long, Long Time and all of the cocktails uh, from the MC Review, MCU Review and the Top Men Indiana Jones podcast at REVU Cocktails on the Instagram app. Dave? I am on Instagram at Pinto underscore Noir. Why do we want to follow you? Because I post lots of photos of my old goblin of a dog. <laughs> I love that little goblin. John. Most people do. Yes. Uh, I am not on my book on Twitter and Instagram for as long as Twitter lasts. Um, right now, I'm actually getting added on Twitter. I am getting roasted about how I had no voice on the last episode with Stephen and Craig. Ooh. Uh, that was uh, rough, man. I was listening ooh. to it. That was rough. It was rough. Yeah, I, I, that's what having bronchitis for six weeks will get you, my friends. You sound uh, great yeah. now. Thank you. I, I slept the entire weekend. Yeah, that'll help. Yes, I've just been tweeted, more Harpo, less Groucho. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how that's going. But if you want to listen to the show, we do Capitated Comics every week. Uh, Elliot and I are there um, mainly always. Steven and I are there mostly always. But we cover all the news that's fit to geek. And my God, we've had a lot to say about Star Trek over the last couple of months. So if you want to hear our thoughts on the Picard finale, or you want to hear us interview Doug Drexler, who uh, is a designer on Star Trek ever since the 80s and worked on Picard. Uh, that's a great place to find us. Anywhere you get your podcast, just listen to the Caffeinated Comics podcast, uh, which includes the audio of MC Review and Top Men. And I am Elliot Serrano, two L's, two T's, and two R's across all social media platforms. Uh, if you follow me on TikTok, it's Serrano. Of course, you can hear me not only on MCU Review and Caffeinated Comics, but also the Top Men Indiana and Indiana Jones podcast. We will be talking about Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade on our next episode. Uh, that should be happening um, probably the beginning of May. We wanted to do it by the end of April, but it's going to happen probably the beginning of May. Uh, still lining up a guest for that episode. I'm saying it now. If Indy dies in Dial of Destiny, I'm rioting. I'm rioting. A riot of one. I've yet to see one riot about a character dying. <laughs> They've been keeping Daryl Dixon alive for 20 one. years because this of be the first riot threats. <laughs> I want to see a riot. <laughs> there was no Tony Stark riot. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's a good point. 
All right, to everyone who was watching us on the StreamYard, on our StreamYard platform, Facebook, in uh, Twitch TV, and YouTube, thank you, Lehman. Thank you, Susan. Thank you for those watching who were who did not comment. Still, we appreciate it. Whether you're watching us live, watching this video as part of our, our archive, listening to us on the Radio Mistress Podcast Network, please uh, give us a thumbs up, give us a like, share, subscribe wherever you can. Um, pass us on to all your friends. Thank you so much. Wishing, yes, Lehman, wishing a good evening to you as well. Until next time, this has been Elliot Serrano for John Clark, Dave Pino, Stephen Brown, and Tom Jetner. Have a great week, everyone.